Every leader has problems. Increasing your leadership intensity won't fix them in a healthy way. You need an increase of clarity. From starting businesses, leading multiple nonprofit organizations, both large and small, and a full family life, Dr. Chris McAllister learned how to shift his thinking to thrive. He will help you order your internal world so you can lead your external world. Welcome to the Site Shift, lead podcast with Chris McAllister. Again, I'll tell you about the project. Um, we did a book campaign a couple months ago for the next Sight Shift book. And the way that we're talking about this book is seven mistakes everybody makes, but few learn from. And it's another way to have the conversation about what it means to lead and live from a secure core, to know who you are. And we have been working on this behind the scenes. And so what we're going to do uh, as kind of a way to work with some of this content and introduce you to it is we're going to do a podcast per mistake. And so that uh, takes me to the we and for the site shift books that we have, the book booklet, uh, you'll notice another name on there. His name is Brett. I'm so excited to collaborate with him on another project. So Brett, welcome to the podcast. So glad you're here. Thanks, man. It's, uh, I'm so excited to do another one with you and, uh, I know every time we talk, um, anything we work on together, uh, listening to your podcast, uh, reading your materials, the coaching programs, whatever it is that, that you produce and create and share with us, it's, uh, it inspires me a little bit more. So um, excited of what's going to come of this this next step in the journey. Woohoo! Thanks, ma'am. I feel like uh, I learned so much through your questions, and I'm learning about the MBA. For those of you that uh, <laughs> may not be up close to stuff that happens with Site Shift, you may not be paying attention or know at this level, but we have some work we're doing with athletics, and uh, Brett works for the Phoenix Suns, and so he gives me an education on that, and just super cool to have you. So the first mistake we're diving into today, and this is what this episode's dedicated to, is I don't live from a secure core of who I am. Maybe another way of saying it, that is I don't know who I am. And the, the drawback, the cost to your life if you don't know who you are is you can't use your problems to grow you. So we want to correct this mistake so that you can use your problems to grow you. So the whole framing of this is, again, mistakes that everybody makes but few learn from. If you listen to a theme uh, in music or movies that are introspective, where people really start to wrestle with something about uh, their lives, the first thing that's going to be at the forefront of what they need to wrestle with more than anything else is figuring out who they are. One of the things that haunts me is the process of hospice, where people go as they reach the end of their lives, uh, is somebody that wrote a book, The Top Five Regrets of the Dying, and the top regret was, I wish I would have lived my life, not the life somebody else wanted me to live. And so we see this all around us. Right now, for folks that are listening to this podcast, you can think of people who don't know who they are, and they're playing for the crowd. Maybe it's the pressure of their parents. Maybe it's the mistakes that they feel like they've made, uh, just generally speaking, in their lives, and they've got to make up for in some kind of pay-it-back way. Maybe it's something that they've never even figured out what their desires are. They're blindly or uh, just negatively succumbing to the pressure around them, and they feel like they're, they're phoning it in every day. 
And so what we've seen from working with people, and it's why we start the conversation here, is that everything comes out of your core. Uh, if any of you are connected to an awareness understanding of fitness, you know that you can build up your muscles all day long that aren't attached to your core, but if you have a weak core, you don't have solid functional health. And you could have all kinds of specialized skills. You could have all kinds of passion, uh, passions as a leader, ambitions about things that you want to accomplish, uh, the kind of athlete that you may want to be. But if your core isn't secure, all of that is built on a foundation that with a few ma- big bad decisions, you could lose it and everything could erode. I know I faced that because I really had some success beyond what I should have before I was ready in my 20s. And through some investment decisions and some bad leadership decisions, I squandered everything. I had to start all over because I didn't know who I was. Uh, One of the things that we're always talking about with people is this idea that your identity is separate from what you do and then it's separate from who you relate to. So we want to get you thinking about who you are, different from what you do, and who you relate to. If you go up to the average person and you say, who are you, what answer do you think they lead with? They lead with what they do or some kind of role they fulfill. Uh, They may lead with something that they do at work. They may lead with something they do as a volunteer. Or they're going to lead with uh, some kind of role that they fulfill relationally. Maybe it's husband or wife or son or daughter or mother or father. All of these things that don't truly sum up who they are. So the common approach right now is to say, if we want to help society be free of its ills, we need to be free of this struggle for ego. The problem with that is, that would be like leaning over the crib and saying to a two-month-old baby, you need to evolve past needing love. It's never going to happen. And so as much as some people may want to say we can rise above any kind of notion of identity, we can't. And if we don't deal with it and face it, we'll never use our problems to grow us. Because here's what's going to happen with our problems. Our problems are going to make us feel bad about who we are. There's a concept called shame that if you can get an understanding of this, it'll elevate your ability to process your thoughts and it'll uh, elevate your ability to have conversations with others. When you understand the difference between shame and guilt, shame when you feel bad about who you are, guilt when you feel bad about what you've done. Most people confuse these. So if I'm trying to teach my children the difference between these concepts, I'm saying to my daughter, I love you all the time no matter what. If you drop kick your sister in the face, I don't like that behavior. So you can feel guilty about what you've done, but you don't have to feel bad about who you are as a person. All of your problems, and this sounds crazy, and I know some of those problems suck so bad, they rake you over the coals, but all of your problems are an opportunity to figure out who you are apart from what you do. So you can really get creative and grow into a bigger capacity for life, a deeper resiliency, Uh, a bigger appreciation for your skill set, how to focus those skills. All of your problems are an opportunity to help you figure that out if you can learn who you are apart from what you do. For what most, what's happening for most people is problems are actually shutting them down. They lock them up. 
They cause them to suffocate. Uh, they cause them in fear to allow their strengths to become a weakness. They rigidly try to force uh, life to bend around what they want or they're going to throw a fit and say that life isn't fair. Every problem that we experience is an opportunity to explore who we are. So what I want to do real quick before we go into this some more is understand the conventional wisdom is so wrong where it says you should be thankful for all your problems. I'm not saying that. Mm. I don't have to be thankful for all my problems. I don't want to be thankful for all my problems. Uh, I've gone through some pain in life that, frankly, I never want to go through again. I hope my kids never experience some of that pain. I'm not thankful for it, but I do hope they find the gift of knowing in the midst of the problem they're not defined by what's happened. One of the things that we'll close this podcast with is a story that came out of a season, uh, and without giving too much away, but, but a season where I was hustling every day just to make it. What's crazy is I had another season like that recently. To get everything started with sight shift in a new direction meant that there were moments where the bank account goes down to a few dollars. When you can fall asleep not knowing how you're going to survive the next day, if you do not learn who you are apart from your problems, you're going to be panicked and you're going to chase after in a panicked state activity that's going to push people away. You can't build for a long-term vision. If you can calm down, you can do the urgent things that create the biggest impact in the short term and the long term. Um, I just want to check in with you, Brett. Is this making sense? Any thoughts or questions? Yeah, man, this stuff is strong. Uh, really good. I'm just backtracking to this idea of, uh, you know, you don't have to be thankful for all your problems. Like I know this idea of, you know, every problem is an opportunity to grow you. Um, that's a huge, like optimistic way to, to kind of navigate your way through the world. Oh, this is a growth point. This is a growth point. But also saying like, it's okay to say, man, this sucks or dang, this hurts or this is not fun at all. Um, like those hard moments are going to be hard and they're going to be hurtful. They're going to be painful. They're not going to be fun. They're not something you wish you'd go through. Um, but it does keep you going to say, all right, there's a growth point. There's a, there's an opportunity to see, you know, what do I need to pay attention to? What do I need to, uh, to open up and uh, and get out of this situation. Um, since I'm here, you know, we're not changing that. You know, this this is the circumstances I'm under. Um, but yeah, but to say it's to rest in that, say yeah, it's okay that it's that it's hard, it's painful, it sucks. You can say that, you can admit that. Yeah, this is my uh, I guess critique of self help because it's hype to say. I'm thankful for everything that happens to me. I'm, I'm just glad this problem is here. It's going to grow me. Uh, when it doesn't allow us to acknowledge this is hard and this sucks. Mm. However, for what, what's happening for a lot of people, th- if you think about it like two ditches, one ditch is to say, oh, I'm so glad this happened. You're lying to yourself. You're living in denial. And you're forcing and faking your way through it. The other ditch is to associate yourself 
who you are with your problems. And so you think you're defined by your circumstances. Mm. You're defined by your mistakes. You hear the stories of others and you hear about how they had a moment where their back was against the wall and then they built this company and sold it for $100 million. And then you feel a sense of shame. Mm. How come I couldn't do that? How come I couldn't turn that moment around? You know, And so what you, be- you start to believe is... Uh, a shame-based lie about who you are. You believe falsely about your identity. And then you start to think, it's too late for me. Mm. I don't know enough. I'll never learn enough. I'll not be smart enough. I'm not creative enough. I'm not adaptive enough. Um, You know, I'll I'll never be enough, basically. And that's the lie of shame that says to our identity, you are not enough. Yeah. And what we're learning in this approach, and this is what's helping people get unblocked, it's just starting with this reality that your problems don't define you, your circumstances don't define you, your bad decisions don't define you, your great decisions don't define you, your most brilliant moments don't define you, your scariest, darkest moments don't define you. You and who you are are enough. You're mm. more than all those things. And when you can do that, and this is why we, we refer to this way of thinking, reframing everything, when you can do that, you can actually put a pause sequence in thinking that for most people spins out. So if you're in the ditch of hype, how does it spin out? Well, then you're willfully striving your way through this moment and you're becoming a less whole human version. Mm. Uh, You're actually being dehumanized. You're pushing people away from you that you love because who wants to be connected to that? It's gross and fake. Only people that want to be connected to that are other people that are, you know, sucking down that hype air. On the other extreme, you become a less human form of yourself because you think uh, that these situations and circumstances sum up who you are and that they form who you are and therefore uh, you're less than. And so what we're trying to do is say we've all been dehumanized. We've all had problems, and I don't know how this works this way, but it just does. It's like the universe designed a custom course for you to bring fear so close that it's like it breathes down your neck, takes you to your knees, and then you feel left with only these two choices, these two ditches. I either have to hype my way through this, or I succumb to the pressure and give up a little bit. Maybe I don't give up all the way. I just give up a little bit. Um, And I start hiding and improving in some area of my life. Well, when we succumb to those pressures, at either extreme, we're not uh, becoming who we are. We're becoming a worse version of ourselves. Life is dehumanizing us. And so the way that we could talk about this as another way of expressing it is we want to rehumanize where life has dehumanized us. And how Mm -hmm. is that going to happen? When we understand that being precedes doing and doing precedes having. And so if I broke the sequence down real quick, it would just look like this. Be who you are. That's not trite. That's not cliche. This is get in touch with your deepest desires. Out of that being, approach life, You approach your doing with that kind of passion and authenticity that says... I get to do this. And you build your life around that. And I know that for some people, they're decades into a career and they're like, there's no way this is true for me. Then they've already checked out 
on using their problems to grow who they are. Mm. And then after you're doing, you'll find that over time, when you live in an authentic way and you focus that into your doing, you'll attract people around you. You'll have a party around you that you would like to join. You're not trying to break into somebody else's. And so you can recognize an insecure core, people that don't know how to use their problems to grow themselves. And we're going to teach you how to do that at the end of this podcast. Uh, but you can recognize it when people mix that order up. And they say, well, if I do, you know, if I accomplish this at work, then I'll be enough. It never works that way, right? If I have these relationships, then I'll be enough. And we all need to quit trying to break into somebody else's party. We need to stop doing out of an inauthentic expression of who we are. Uh, we need creativity. And the way that we get to creativity is knowing who we are, which we'll get to that in a second. Is this making sense? Yeah. Yeah, this is really good. Um, and I love that. I mean, it, think about all the parties I'm trying to break into. Like, you see that group of people and you say, dang, what do I got to do to hang out with them? Or what do I, who do I got to be to be associated with them and it just turns into all these like fake personas or false motives um yeah that's that's like what what part are you trying to break into let's let's deconstruct that and then what's the party that i want to join what's the party that i would i would enjoy and that'd be an overflow of me that's good my best work has come out of me figuring out I'm trying to break into this party and they don't want me. I need to go build my own. And when I can do that, then I can really approach life in a way that's more on who I am in the terms that I bring to this. And so for so many people, what's happening is they associate themselves with their problems. Anxiety sets in and then they're blocked up from really moving into an offensive position in life. Instead, they're defensively reacting. So I can remember a moment when there was like, I can't remember exactly, it's like $2 and um, 57 cents in our bank accounts combined. Uh, so again, I've been through the startup phase a couple times and, you know, uh, one of those was in nonprofit work and you're not exiting that with any kind of accumulation of wealth. Um, and so uh, so there's 257 and uh, I knew some payments were going to be coming in later, but you're still hustling day to day for those payments to come in. It was about 11 p.m. It had been a full day's work and I just finished uh, working and I bought a show on Amazon for $1.99, the new Walking Dead episode. Mm-hmm. Um, now, there's a thousand reasons that all the great financial principles would say to me, you know, that's stupid. But I would say back to that, it's the difference between $2.57 or $0.58. And that $1.99 is going to bring me so much joy because that new Walking Dead episode is going to usher me into dreamland. Um, I know that sounds weird after my heart rate calms down. (laughs) But I've had to learn how to rebuild my sleep twice. And Mm. learning to fall asleep when you feel like your world has ended um, really causes you to deal with struggles. The struggles of an elevated heart rate, not from watching Walking Dead, that won't let you go asleep till 3 a.m. 
just because every time you start to think about how bad it is, your your emotions spin back up and go crazy with your mind. Uh, you have enough nighttime battles with anxiety that you'll be desperate to find a new way to live. And for a lot of people, what they're trying to do is they're trying to say, I have to create a life that has optimal external conditions. I'm all for doing all I can to create optimal external conditions. However, um, what I've learned from studying my life, the lives of others, and seeing successful breakthrough uh, happen in their lives and, and deconstructing that, it's this. You really can't control very much in life other than your internal world that you're building and your responses that come out of that internal world. See, I don't like how people always say the only thing you can control is your responses. Uh, I think a better way of saying that is your responses come out of who you are. Yeah. But that being said, I can't build perfect external conditions for me to have the response out that I want. Instead, what I'm doing is I'm creating optimal internal conditions so that I can meet the demands of whatever external problem comes my way. And so for me, it's looking at it going, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spend that $1.99. I'm going to wake up. I'm going to have 58 cents. And again, what's it matter whether it's uh, 2.57 or 58 cents? And I'm going to get a good night's sleep because I'm not defined by this problem. Mm. There's nothing I can do right now, but I need to wake up refreshed and go after it again. And I'm not talking about being lazy. I mean, that specific day that story came out of, it was 11 p.m. when I quit working. Um, But I am talking about understanding that I will be blocked up in bringing the creative expression of who I am to my problems and the resources that I'm connected to and that are around me if I'm associating myself with those problems the ditch where we fall into the lie that we're defined by what's happening. Or if I fall into the ditch of hype where I just say, I'm going to wake up tomorrow and there's going to be $1,000 in my bank account. That isn't going to happen either. And that's going to keep me chasing fantasy, not doing the things that actually move the needle. So uh, what I'm finding, and so I'm super passionate about it, is you, you have so much control over creating those conditions for your internal world to thrive. And that, if that can receive the bulk of your energy, then it flips for you and you start to live from a secure core of who you are and you use your problems to grow you. Does that make sense as a process? Yeah, it does. Here's what gets a little uncomfortable uh, sometimes is this is really focused on you. Mm-hmm. Like this sounds, it's all about me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I know a lot of like, a lot of uh, self-help I've dove into in the past would, would say, like, if you're feeling bad about your circumstances, go do something for somebody else, and that'll make you feel better. Or go serve somebody else. That makes you feel better. Um, spend your dollar ninety nine on a movie that the whole family could enjoy. Why is this just for you? Yeah. Uh, that's, that's where this always feels a little uncomfortable uh, in this stage. I love that question. It makes me think of a story where, so Skid Row in L.A., I don't remember uh, exactly what time this is from and, uh, you know, the, the circumstances surrounding this, but there's thousands of homeless people there. And what's happened is there are missions that are set up to care for those homeless people. 
to give them holistic care, not just feed them. Um, what do people do wanting to do a good thing? They go feed the homeless people on Skid Row. And I remember a number of years ago, the missions kind of got together and said collectively, stop showing up and just feeding people because they're eating and then they're not coming into the mission getting the holistic care that we give them, the medical treatment, the recovery systems, uh, the different things that were done, again, to help them in a more full, robust way. Well, I'm sure the people that were taking that food to them felt amazing doing that. Mm. It does feel amazing to do that. Uh, if anybody has never done something like that before, it's incredible. Um, just from being in different parts of the world and seeing some of the poorest parts of the world, um, different continents, uh, you see those and it captures you in a visceral, palpable way. And you want to, you want to move the needle on that immediately. Here's the problem. If you just spun up into this, I'm going to make a difference here and I'm going to change this, and you never reflected on why you were going about doing it, if you never reflected on why you were going about doing it, uh, then you might be stepping into a situation where you're going to become a worst version of yourself and crash and burn through this very good thing you want to do. Uh, so the way that I would explain that is, you know, I could say to my kids, I want to hang out with you tonight, and we're going to play, and uh, we're just going to enjoy ourselves. And at the end of the time, I say, did you have a good time? And one of them says, no, that wasn't my favorite game that we played. And I say to them, aren't you thankful I hung out with you? Mm. And she goes, what do you mean? And I said, I did this for you. Aren't you thankful I hung out with you? Well, who was I really doing it for? I was doing it for myself so I could feel good about who I am, so I could get something from her rather than give something to her. And so for me, uh, I found this to be true in my life and, and just working with others, that that motive thing is huge. We're not waking up and going, hey, am I going to get gas or am I going to rob the gas station? We're not making decisions between bad and good. At this level, we're making decisions between good and great. And the key indicator for helping us move to great decisions, making brilliant decisions, is figuring out what's the why that's driving us. And if we're defined by our problems, and if we're defined by the fact that we're not enough and our insecurities, then we're going to approach what we do as a way of saying, I need you to make me whole. We're going to approach our relationship saying, I need you to make me whole. And we're going to be blocked up from bringing our best gift, our whole self. Because if we can bring our whole self to what we do or our relationships, then it's a much more relaxed exchange. And my daughter says, you know, that wasn't my favorite game. I'm sorry. We all love that game. We were just glad to have you there with us. Or that wasn't my favorite game. Okay, next time we'll play your favorite game. Uh, that wasn't my favorite game. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you loved that game. Uh, you know, a thousand different responses. Yeah. You'll figure those out when it's coming from a secure core. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's really good. Uh, you get down to the the heart of the motivations of it all. That's that makes all the difference. It feels cliche, but it's the airline thing. You know, you got to put your mask on 
before you put your kids on. Yeah. And the same is true for everything. You know, um, if you're walking into the boardroom depleted, exhausted, you don't have a strong core, uh, you did not want to wake up, you wish you had a different job, you're miserable. Are you going to be able to light their eyes up about that new agenda in an authentic way? No. You're going to either be so disengaged it's not going to inspire anybody, or you're going to try to make up for the lack of clarity you have in your doing with an intensity that's gross and pushes them away. Mm. You might get them in the short term to begrudgingly go along with it, but long term, you've hurt your own personal brand. You've hurt, uh, you know, the longer term company's objectives. And more importantly, you've done something from an insecure state, which is causing your brain to wire around a way of going about doing things that's going to cause you to be deformed, dehumanized. You won't be the best version of who you are. And so if we're going to rehumanize that, then we're just going to understand, you know, again, much of the decisions we're making at this level aren't between good and bad. It's between good and great. And what moves it to great is learning how we're going about those decisions. You know, if I'm making those decisions from an insecure, fearful state, then that's going to be wiring my brain, which we'll get a lot more into that. But for now, it's just enough to say uh, how we go about doing it and why we go about doing it are great indicators and clues for us to figure out who we are. Yeah, that's really good. And if this weren't a big issue, uh, you wouldn't have the massive uh, growth and awareness that's happened with this, with naming this quest for identity. Uh, whether it's Sigmund Freud, who had a negative approach on things, Carl Jung, who said, maybe it's not something that you're trying to get back to that you've lost, or maybe it's something you never got. Maybe it's just aspirational. It's a way, it's, it's the next evolution of yourself and who you are. Something's calling to you, whatever it is. Uh, Eric Erickson, talking about the stages of development. We know this. Most, and there's another name coming to my mind, Robert Keegan also, most adults never make it to the point that they learn who they are apart from their relationships or what they do. And so it's why a man can be crushed when he loses his job. It's why a woman can be crushed if she doesn't get that promotion. It's why uh, somebody could be crushed if they lose that relationship they love because they've built who they are around what they do. Likewise, also with relationships, same thing applies. Yeah. You know, um, so, so to help people get into this place where they understand the core idea here, the problems are a gift to help you look at your life and go, oh, this is what I'm struggling with and this is what's happening. Who am I in the midst of this struggle? Does that make sense? Yeah, for sure. Sure, I'm tracking. Um, so what we want to do is help people move to this place that they learn how to live from a secure core of who they are. How are they going to get there? Now, this is where it gets trippy. But I stumbled into this. After I had stumbled into it, I found out that this has been used for, um, gosh, in different traditions, I think thousands of years, hundreds of years in different places. And that is to actually take what you're afraid of 
and blow it up as big as you can so that that fear loses its power. Mm. So for me, I've spent a lot of time building who I am around what I do. And if I perform well, then I can feel worthy about who I am. So we faced a season in life where I was in a startup phase and things hadn't turned around. They weren't going great. Uh, In fact, they were going terrible. And I could tell you story after story of the craziness we endured. Uh, Needless to say, we were facing an eviction notice on our house. And I felt like I scraped along the bottom of the ground. Like there was nothing inside of me. And another leadership book wasn't fixing me. Uh, I, I couldn't go to another seminar, some growth perspective. I did not need hypes. You can hear some of my, you know, animosity towards that. Yeah. But I also didn't want to just roll over and go, well, this is the way it is. I screwed up. I suck. And I remember sitting on the deck and, and I thought, and I don't remember what spurred this thought, but I remember having this thought, what if we do get kicked out? What if we have to make some major life-changing decisions? Can I look in the mirror and, and say to myself, you're less than, you're not enough because this happened? Or could I look in the mirror, if, if the worst were to happen, we get evicted, and I look in the mirror and say, this didn't diminish who you are. And so for me, it was sitting there on that deck, so palpable. Uh, Years ago, I recorded a YouTube video about it just to kind of like memorialize this moment. But I'm sitting on the deck and I have this uh, really, you know, cognitive breakthrough. And I'm able to realize this is blocking me from being creative. This is blocking me from bringing who I am to this situation. This is blocking me from being present with the people that I love. It's blocking me from who I am. And the problem, this is crazy, was a gift to teach me that. The problem was a gift for me to go, oh, I've been building who I am around what I do and what others think of me. This problem is teaching me who I am is separate from those and stands alone that I have an identity that isn't defined by what happens or my relationships. All of that came about by imagining the worst thing to happen to me. This is crazy. So, yes, I am a fan of imagining a positive future, although you got to be careful because you could use that to chase a fantasy and distract you from present pain. Um... And so we'll get into what it means later on in these podcasts or the book to open up this potential for that future that's out there. But I know this, that future is going to be driven by fear and shame if you're not free of building who you are around what you do in your relationships right now. So just think about this. What does it look like? And we'll flesh this out with some examples. But what does it look like for you to consider who you are if the relational roles you're trying to fulfill fall apart? If you're abandoned, if you're betrayed, if you're vulnerable with somebody and they hurt you, if you feel left out, 
You know, all of these are these things we struggle with. Uh, if you feel like you don't perform up to the standards that you have for yourself, if you don't feel like you have what it takes, you know, that if you're not needed and nobody really loves you, what does it mean for you to strip all of it away and get down to that core thing that you say, if this happens, I can't recover from that. That's your fear. Mm. Few people uh, in, you know, a first world experience that maybe come from economic backgrounds where there's at least a medium level of affluence. And I know a lot of middle class people struggle from week to week, but few people actually face that in those experiences. Um, when you talk to people that understand what it looks like to uh, need food to survive the next day, and they've got to figure out how to make a day's wage to get there, then they can go to the opposite extreme where there's a tunnel vision that happens with poverty uh, where they literally kick into a survival mode and just have to take all they can just in the short term. Both of those are broken. And it doesn't matter whether it's somebody from extreme poverty, from a medium level of affluence, from extreme wealth. We all need to figure out who we are apart from what's what's happening. And then we can start to go, oh, I'm not defined by this and this and this and this and this. Mm. Identity separate. So I can take the problems that are happening and use them to grow me. There's no segment of life... There's no, you know, uh, station that people have been in where they didn't in some way, where there aren't examples in some way where somebody took a problem they were going through and they used it to grow them. And I'm talking about everything from extreme examples like uh, what the Nazis did in the Holocaust and the stories that came out of that to people that... uh, came out of 2007 and 8 and the crisis that happened in America with the financial systems. And right now when people are hearing this or they're reading something about that, they're going, oh, who can compare those two situations? Listen, all suffering is relative. If it causes you to struggle with who you are, it's something to be wrestled with. And so for a lot of us, especially that would be experiencing maybe this content in a first world setting, hear the stories of third world suffering and go, what's my problem? I don't have it like them. I should just be thankful. And we miss out on tapping into figuring out who we really are. Uh, And so, yeah, what I'd like to do before I go on, if you're tracking with me so far, then is, is walk through some examples of this and flesh this out in different scenarios to show people how to use this strategy to unblock who they are. Making sense so far? Yeah, a lot of sense. I think about the idea of the phrase you've used, uh, um, if you build who you are on anything that can be gained or lost, you set yourself up for crisis. And you guys say, well, how do I know if I'm doing that? And this, this is a great way, like a great process to walk through to figure out if you're building your, you know, your identity on on something that's as fragile that if it if it comes out from underneath you you're falling yeah you know, crash and burn yeah go ahead I'll interrupt you no I'm, I'm, I was done that was good 
Dude, there are two people that would be hearing or reading this going, um, and I keep saying reading this for some people that don't know as we're working this into a book context, so maybe I'll stop saying one or the other, or maybe I won't. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Uh, but for people that are hearing this, it could go into one or two places for them that uh, have been through some really hard times or are in one right now. It, they could go, oh, I wish I would have known this then. Mm. Um, I see how I became a lot more rigid. I became more dehumanized through it. I pushed the people away from me that I loved. I started making self-sabotaging choices. I spiraled out of control. Uh, Maybe it's not super dramatic. Maybe they're in it right now and they feel some of that coming. And I would say for either of those, there's no shame. It's what you do with right now, what you have right now, the problems you're going through, where you find yourself. Uh, So this is an immediate way for them to get hope and relief and to really think about who they are, apart from the fact that they got fired from that job, who they are, apart from the fact that, you know, their children lowered the boom and broke the relationship and said, you're a disappointment. Don't be around me anymore. I mean, these are these extreme things that happen because of choices that are made. Mm. And for them to know who they are separate from that means they can take the long form view of maybe uh, going into a completely new career or rebuilding that relationship with their children over time. It's going to be hard. It's going to take a long time. For a lot of people that are reading this, though, it's understanding they can take that mental journey now before they get to that place so that they can go, oh, I can save myself some unnecessary pain. Mm. And that's what we want to do. So let's flesh out some examples of what that looks like so that we can help people do that. Go ahead. The key, what you just said, save myself from unnecessary pain. Like it's not going to be not painful at all. It's still going to hurt. Yeah. But there's a layer of, of hurt that you're you're going to avoid or deal with before you get there um, because the pain is not an attack on your identity. It's just the pain of whatever, a lost relationship or a changed course or uh, something like that. To be in my early 20s, to never pay a bill late, to start contributing to a retirement fund at 21... Uh, to have some really ambitious financial goals that I was completing. Uh, We built, custom built, the first home that my wife and I moved into uh, and sold it, walked into it day one with 30% equity. Um, To go from that to $2.57 in your account, and like, you know, I don't want anybody to be confused here. There was no big check coming in that was going to make that okay. Uh, it would have been enough to make a short, quick trip to the grocery store. Um, and so there have been a couple of seasons where I've got to, you know, I've said, okay, i got to make this much this week. Um, but to be in that space and to be able to think through who I am apart from what I do, I still feel the pain of that. But I'm not so overwhelmed with it that I shut down mm-hmm. or I'm not so overwhelmed with it that I become this raging, insecure me monster that powers up all the time to get everything I can from others. Um, and and if you're surround, if you're connected to somebody 
who is like that. It's not necessarily that they're consciously trying to get everything they can. It's just their insecurity driving them to do that. And what's allowed me to rebuild my ability to sleep a couple times and to, to be resilient and keep going after it is this idea that um, I am separate from what's happening to me. You know, that's why I hate that phrase that says, uh, or the, the analogy that says, if you take the cup and shake it, what comes out, you know, that's what's in you. And it's kind of like, well, cr- you know, bad stuff came out of you, so you're bad. A bad mm-hmm. reaction came out of you, so you're bad. What I hate about that is it doesn't acknowledge the fact that life is dynamic and that I'm constantly responding to what's happening around me, so I'm being shaped by it. So I'm able to go to sleep. And know that I'm not defined by what's in the bank account so I can sleep in peace and wake up refreshed and go, let's go attack this day. Where do I need to be creative? Where's a resource I haven't considered? Uh, Where do I need to stay resilient because something's going to pay off? Um, And I have tons of examples like this where at the last minute, just that cup full of water that I needed came through. If you think about it like a desert, you know, analogy and you're traveling across the desert, that cup full of water I needed just at just the right time was there to keep us going before we got to the oasis. Mm. And so that's financial, that's emotional, that's mental. It's all of these categories of our lives. And for a lot of people, because they're flying blind through these things, uh, they don't recognize how they're suffering unnecessary pain through self-sabotaging choices. So let's take some examples. Um, let's take a business executive. What's it look like if he doesn't get the thing that he's after at work? So he needs to flesh that out. The boss is going to be happy or not happy. Uh, he'll look bad in front of the team. He won't get the bonus. Okay, so don't stop there. Get underneath that. What happens if he doesn't get the bonus? Something he's promised to his family doesn't happen. Uh, The team thinks poorly of him. Uh, Maybe he'll be fired or replaced. If you're moving through your job like this from a state of fear, then you can know that eventually you're going to slip up in this insecure state and do something to hurt yourself. So rather than approaching it from a bold standpoint and taking risks and moving forward, it's a constant positioning and posturing. So what does this person need to do? To save themselves unnecessary pain, it's for them to get underneath that and go, okay, so what if I tell my wife I didn't get the bonus? What if um, uh, the businesswoman goes home and tells her husband that she didn't get the promotion? What happens then? Look yourself in the mirror, if you have to, if this is what makes it real for you. Look yourself in the mirror and say, I didn't get the promotion. Therefore, I am, and then fill in the blank. Mm -hmm. That's the thing that you falsely believe about who you are. I didn't get the promotion. Therefore, I am not worthy not safe. I'm not going to be cared for. You know, I don't know what yours is. I know that until you get to a place, and it takes time, this doesn't just happen overnight. For a lot of people, these are muscles they haven't worked. And so because these are muscles they haven't worked out in a long time, there's a cinching up of their frame, and it's contorted. So it's not going to feel natural to do this. 
if it if it felt natural, you'd already be doing it. If you kind of like want to picture somebody, we've all seen people where maybe they walk with their shoulders a little cocked and crooked, um, and at some point, something got out of balance in them, a muscle cinched up, and your body's pretty adaptive. It'll adapt to that, and it and it's not always comfortable, and it looks, you know, it doesn't look normal. Uh, but they're able to move through their day and function like that. If we could see our internal core and what we think about our identity with that kind of awareness, like your body, you know, showing contorted shoulders, we would be able to recognize this so fast, but it doesn't. And so it's going to feel unfamiliar for some. But what, uh, what happens when they're able to look in the mirror, when she goes, if I don't get the promotion, I am. Then you figure that out. And then you can say to yourself, I am blank, even if the promotion doesn't happen. Well, then, and this takes time, and we're going to walk through these seven mistakes to help this sink in. But as a starting point, when it begins to sink into who you are, it's crazy. You actually get the promotion oftentimes because you're not insecure for it. Uh, I know this sounds trippy, and I'm not guaranteeing everybody a promotion. That's <laughs> how it works. Let's take an athlete. Yeah. An athlete who says, if I don't get recruited to that team, if I don't get that championship, then I am a failure. I am a waste. I am incompetent. Right? So what are they saying? They're saying that they're defined by their performance. They're going to be so attached to the result, they're not going to be able to bring the fullness of who they are and be creative. They're going to be blocked up. All of us could, use, uh, could that follow any kind of level of knowledge of athletics could share example after example of somebody who got so attached to the result. They lost the joy of being in the moment in their craft. And then they got the result they were afraid to get. Um, any checking in? You, you, I mean, I know you get it. I'm just any thoughts to add or yeah. questions to prod? No, this is good. The idea of uh, uh, following the fear to to its conclusion. Like let's keep let's keep playing out this worst case scenario um, to the end. What's what's the like? I mean, I just keep going back to the athlete. Thing. Okay. The, here is a, it's the freak. Uh, Do you hear that noise real quick? Yeah. Okay, so I'll just acknowledge it for your listeners. I'm in my basement, and we're recording this podcast, and I have no idea what that noise is. Um, <laughs> it sounds like somebody's taking a metal roll of some sort and dragging it across the tile. Of course it's happening while a podcast is going on. <laughs> uh, but go ahead. I want you to finish I, that thought. I get this like at 8.30 every night at my place. Yeah. I feel like the neighbors above me are completely rearranging the furniture in the apartment. <laughs> um, they do this every night, but it's, it must be their things. That's funny. Um, but I think, yeah, I think about the athlete, you know, uh, free throw at the end of the game. You're standing at the line, you know, we shoot free throws in practice every day. There's no pressure, uh, no consequences if you miss it. But now, okay, now stand at the line. You're at the end of the game. There's 20,000 people in the arena. Uh, this is to go to the championship game. What happens if you miss? 
and then play that out. Well, mm-hmm. dang, we lose the game. All these people are let down. They're talking about me on the radio the next day, um, telling me how lousy I am. They all want to trade me or cut me or why are they paying me that much money um, to play it out? Okay, so then what happened? What's, what, why is that so bad? What's the problem with that? Well, because it means I'm a failure or I don't belong at this level. Or I don't belong in this team or um, they can't count on me. Um, I can't come through. I can't provide. Um, all these things that just makes that one. I mean, it's a free throw. Like you missed the free throw. Yeah. So what? Like, but just makes that one moment or that one thing, that one accomplishment, that, that one goal too much. Like that, that load is too much. It is too much. Nobody can stand up under the weight of that. Mm. And the most mentally developed and tough among us are just better at burying the stress symptoms from not dealing with this. And those stress symptoms eventually come out. And they come out in the form of a midlife crisis oftentimes. And a convertible Corvette will not fix this. Uh, Maybe it comes out as, oh my gosh, I think somebody's cleaning the floor up there. And uh, it's humorous. What do you do? Actually laugh. And for listeners, this is real stuff. This is why I love podcasting, though. The number of times that uh, you... You have this plan for something to go perfect. It's an example of how it never does and never will. Our house, there's like so much different space you could be at, but there it is. Did you put this scenario in your head before we started? <laughs> i tell you what I'm doing right now is I'm fleshing it out and going, okay, so people listening to this, what do they think about who I am? No, that's for real. So quick, like Chris a decade ago, this would be happening. And it's like, oh my gosh, I got to power up. I got to try to take control of this. I got to recapture people's interest. Uh, you just become rigid and gross. And it keeps on going. Um, but to wrap this up, so there's four main groups of people that we're working with a site shift. So we've got uh, the CEO, business executive, we've got the athlete. We've also got the professional, and we've got the startup CEO, founder, entrepreneur. Uh, So let's talk about the professional, uh, the doctor, the attorney that is driven, obviously, to complete the school that they're completing, to get done with, uh, you know, some kind of credentials so that now that they can do their craft, they can do their job, and oftentimes there's high stakes with it. Dude, it's like thunder here. Is it like thunder on here? It's not thunder. <laughs> it's like a reverberating. Um, but so it's it's this idea that why are you going after it? There's nothing wrong with the fact that you're going after it, but there's a reason that you are. Why? Get to the bottom of that. Because if you're doing this for somebody else, there's no amount of midlife crisis that's going to fix this. There's no amount of suffering and struggling through that's going to make this better. You will face a reckoning of some sorts that's going to cause you to go, ah, what was I doing all this for? What if every client doesn't think I'm amazing? Maybe I can let go of the ones that drain me and do work with the ones that I love. Mm. And the startup CEO and founder, oftentimes for them, it's just such an all-encompassing, absorbing pursuit 
and I know this twice from two experiences, um, everything else gets shut out, and you run on this treadmill so hard that the insecurity that fosters in who you are, uh, you really get crazy with your vision. Um, and you go, well, I can't fail because if I fail, I am blank. Mm. Um, and yet the field is littered with tons of failures that lead to awesome successes. So it's real quick unblocking to your creative ability to, you know, as a startup CEO founder, to do this exercise we're talking about and go, well, here's who I am. If the company fails, I am blank. What is that? What goes there? Then understand this. Whether the company fails or succeeds doesn't define who you are. Because if the company fails and it means I am incompetent, I don't have what it takes, I'm unworthy, I'm not enough, then you're saying because the company succeeds, I am enough, I am worthy, I do have what it takes. Anybody that has succeeded and built their identity around what they've done, there's that's nobody I want to take a road trip with. Mm. Um, and you don't, any person hearing this that's in that sector, you don't want to become a worse version of yourself. So you face that now. So lots more to dive into. We don't want to leave people hanging, but this yeah. is the starting point. This is the first mistake that most people make and never learn from. They don't live from the secure, secure core of who they are because they don't know how to use their problems to grow them. Uh, Brett, thanks for being along, man. Anything to add? This is awesome, man. I know we got six more of these to go, but if uh, this is this piece of it is so powerful, like if someone breaks through this part of it, um, just starts thinking, you know, processing through their life with these kind of ideas, um, man, it's going to rock their world. So this is really cool. We'll hope for that, man. Thanks for being here. Peace, buddy. Later. This has been The Sight Shift, lead podcast with Chris McAllister. Thank you for listening.